I woke up on Saturday morning, I looked at the Google Analytics and saw something like 500 or 600 simultaneous visitors to our website. Most employees would rather have the boss who at least tells them where they stand than the one who doesn't. You're listening to The Growth Show, a podcast that uncovers interesting stories and advice on growth from every corner of the business world. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of The Growth Show. I'm Kip, CMO at HubSpot, and your host. I am so excited today to share with you our conversation with Matthew Ramirez. Matthew started a company that many of you probably haven't heard of. It's called WriteLab. They're using machine learning and algorithms to teach people writing at scale. So far, Matthew's company has raised $2.5 million in funding. It's in use in 53 universities and schools across America. It's a fascinating tale of a big idea turned into a reality. Let's hear from Matthew. So Matthew, to start, can you give us a little bit more of a detailed explanation around what you're building at Wright Lab, you know, right. and why you to start, decided to start the company? Um, so we're building uh, an automated service to help people strengthen their writing. Um, we use artificial intelligence to generate feedback, uh, really in two, two ways. One is we give people alternatives, so um, revisions to their writing, but also um, we give them, we ask them questions and we give them ideas uh, to help jumpstart or catalyze um, some choices that they may make about their writing. And I decided, decided to start the company back when I was teaching writing at Berkeley. Um, I had been doing work in digital humanities. I had been uh, doing a little bit of work in the School of Information and I was playing with a lot of natural language systems and doing that alongside grading a stack of papers um, and seeing that I was just leaving the same feedback again and again and that students really were not um, getting the feedback in time to practice uh, the skill um, really made me think that a lot of this was uh, not only tedious but quite futile. So I thought, well, if they had an opportunity to get feedback more quickly, um, they could turn it around, turn papers around, um, really start to practice a sense of self-sufficiency and confidence. And... Uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't need me in those smaller revision steps nearly as much, um, because by the time I got them their feedback uh, to them, they uh, already had a grade on the paper and they were focused on some other assignment. Um, so the likelihood of them taking that and applying that again was very low. So ba basically, what you did is you solved this problem, and you're like, wow, there has to be a way to solve it faster and on a much bigger scale yes. than than anybody than a, that any great professor could solve it otherwise. Right, because it seemed to me that only the students that had private tutors were able to uh, get better much more appreciably at, at their writing. Um, and that's just something that doesn't scale very well. No. Um, it's, you know, I, we, I wanted to make something kind of like uh, what, ma what a calculator is for mathematics. Um, you know, take out some of the lower order stuff and enable people to practice things that are more advanced to really, uh, to really play with their writing. In a world, Matthew, where GIFs and emojis and all types of communication that isn't the written world, word is becoming so prevalent, like, why do we need something like WriteLab? Why is this 
you know, so important? Why is making our writing better important? Um, because I think at, uh, at its core, it's not just their writing, it's, it's their thinking. And I think when, when you read something that somebody else has written, um, or when you hear somebody else speak, you take it as a reflection of their quality of thought. Um, and I think this social impression and this professional impression is and will continue to be extremely important. Okay, so let's take it the next step here. You had this idea. You were grading papers. You had an idea. And, and it was a pretty big idea and a noble idea. Tell me about the day that you realized you were onto something, that it was more than an idea, that there was something really interesting happening. Yeah, so it was, it was actually... Um, it was sitting down, um, having to do some work for, uh, on a syntactic parser, um, and also having the same night to, uh, grade a stack of papers. And I thought, well, you know, I'm, my mind was in both places. And I thought, let me just, let me just try to generate some of the comments that I'm leaving on these papers. And then I found like, oh my gosh, this is, uh, at least for some things, it was, they were very low-hanging fruit. And so what I found myself doing was actually copying uh, the comments that I was able to generate on the text and then just uh, auto-populating them uh, in, in, in Microsoft Word on the margins, which I felt a little bit like, wow, this is, there's some part of this that doesn't feel all that right. And there's another part that says, hey, I have, I have now, I have mental space to really dig into complex issues that only I can do and that, that I wouldn't be able to automate. So you feel like those people that night, did they get better feedback because of that? Yeah, so they were actually amazed at how much feedback they received and then came to me and said, like, oh, it really seems like I need to work on this issue. Um, you left so much feedback about this issue. Um, and I did see better results in the, uh, in, in the next paper, in the next iteration. Yeah, that's fascinating. So there are a lot of startups that focus on making their users feel good, productive, successful, uh, all, all those types of fun things. The nature of what you're doing at Write Lab is, is different, I feel like. It's, you're trying to help people be better, but you're, helping try, you're trying to help people be better at something like writing, which is such a subjective thing. People have really deeply personal feelings about their writing. How does that play into the product that you're building? Right. So there, um, there are a couple of ways that we, we deal with that because we try not to always be um, giving people negative feedback or things that you, you, know, you need to improve this. Um, we try to encourage people. We try to highlight what they've done effectively, um, really following a principle that success motivates learning, that if they see something that they've done well, they're more likely to repeat that uh, successful technique or behavior. Um, in addition to that, we've, we've seen that sometimes when we leave comments, um, people are inclined to be defensive about their writing. And if we don't provide an alternative, um, like an alternative sentence or an alternative phrase, that they won't really take the next step to see how does it sound, how would it sound if I make the change. Um, so by giving people more direct value uh, in the form of actual revisions, we found people more warmly receptive to um, as you say, getting better. Talk to me about that process. Talk to me about the feedback you're getting from users as you're working on the product. And, and what has that been like? Well, so we, I, I think we have a very interesting challenge. Um, the teachers are telling us they really like 
the product. They like that it doesn't give students all the answers and that it makes them think critically and it asks them questions. Students um, are saying, can't you just give us the answers? <laughs> um, and we've even had focus groups where we have a uh, teacher and students in the same room. And the teacher is not only saying, oh, it's great because it's, you know, think critically, but they also have, they also say that the students like that. Um, and they have this idea that the students really like that it's asking them questions. And then the students tell us, yeah, the questions are okay, but can't, can't you just give us the answers? <laughs> um, so it's a really, it's a very interesting product market fit challenge for us. And, you know, we want to give students as much value as possible without undermining the pedagogy that teachers value. Um, so we're doing the best we can to provide both. Um, and also to enable teachers to filter out if they think it's just a little bit too leading for students. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your go-to-market. Um, yep. You're in 53 schools now. So this went from an idea to 53 schools uh, of all types and sizes using it. How'd you get there? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you grow your distribution to that? So we um, have... Like we have strong roots in the in the writing community, um, and there are also strong networks. There's um, writing center networks meet uh, in annual conferences. Um, the college composition community. This is primarily college composition, first year writing, and also college readiness. So AP teachers in high schools, um, they meet, they convene to really explore new ideas and new research, um, and we really targeted those conferences. Um, created an identity for ourselves as something that could augment uh, the value that teachers are bringing um, rather than replace it. So we found people really warmly receptive to what we were trying to accomplish um, even be before we were able to um, deliver on that value. So that, that was validation for why we ought to build it. Um, and it also kind of prepared the market for this thing that we were making. Okay, so you, what you did is you you became active members of the community, and then yeah. you went to where that community was and told your story. And I think the interesting thing you said there was, in a way that didn't replace what the teachers were doing, mm -hmm. and didn't feel threatening to them. How did you how did you actually pull that off? Well, so I I I, I say the same thing all the time, which is that I go in um, to a first year writing class when, when I would teach, I would go in and I would have these really large ambitions for what I could achieve. Um, and then over the course of the semester, things would build up, momentum would build, um, the amount of grading I needed to do, the amount of office hours, and I would end up accomplishing maybe a third to half of what I had intended to achieve. And then every semester, the new semester, I would be ambitious again and hopeful, et cetera. Um, and what I wanted to do was take that amount and just make it more, right? So achieve a higher percentage of what I wanted to accomplish by taking those lower order issues off the table and putting them where they belong, which is with the students in the privacy of their own ability to practice with, with, with a draft. Um, and this is the same way if you're practicing anything, if you're practicing a sport, if you're practicing an instrument, or you're practicing dancing, um, you're not going to be with a coach all the time. Um, you're also not going to put in less time than, than the coach spends uh, working with you. Uh, you just won't get very far. And so what a lot of writing teachers have to deal with is that they often spend more time reading the drafts and commenting on the drafts than the students spent writing them because many of the students are writing them the night before. Um, so this was a way of saying, 
put the responsibility and put the workload where it belongs, which is with the student. And teachers get that. And on the student side of things, is, is there a particular person or story that really resonates with you as somebody who maybe went from somebody who was writing that paper the night before it was due to somebody who actually became deeply passionate about writing? So we've seen several of those cases in, um, in the community colleges. Um, so these are students, uh, low-income students that um, have never really had attention uh, to their writing. Um, they're in large class, very large classes. Um, the professors in there are usually adjunct faculty. They're teaching multiple sections, um, as many as eight in one semester. So this is literally hundreds of papers that they're, that they're dealing with. So private individual attention and tailored feedback is just something that's extremely difficult to give. And the most passionate teachers can give it, but it's a really tall order to ask of anybody to do that for so many students. So we've seen some of those students who uh, are not getting the kind of feedback that's going to lead to a quality trajectory in their writing um, really be inspired and um, work with the system and feel like they're making progress and they can see their progress and they can see changes in their writing and they see our metrics and our analytics um, that they're progressing. So, um, you know, it, our demographics report came out uh, yesterday. Uh, one of our investors had third party do demographics on their portfolio companies and 42% uh, of our users are Hispanic and most of them are free, free or reduced lunch. Uh, it was a little bit surprising to us, but, but I think it makes sense given those kinds of stories that we've been hearing. And what does it mean to you that you've been able to help people at that scale and help people who maybe are coming from a place of, of lower income and just trying to learn and be better and helping them do it in a different way? It means to me that we're wasting less potential. Um, that there, there's so many people um, who have so much ability um, and they have an internal articulateness um, that, they, that they often check at the door. You know, they get to, they get to college um, and they feel that they're inadequate <clears throat> to the things that they're expected to learn. And so giving them the opportunity to relax into their own eloquence, um, I think, is the best thing that we can give young people because it helps them generate the confidence that they're going to need in order to tackle a lot of the big problems in this world. I couldn't agree more. Turns out that writing is a fundamental skill and being able to communicate your ideas helps you feel confident about those ideas and allows you to accomplish things that you, I think, previously thought were out of your grasp. And if uh, what you guys uh, are doing at Write Lab can help people with that, then that is a extremely noble cause. So, moving forward, what's the... What's the future? What's the future of Write Lab? What's it look like, you know, a year, two, five years from now? So we've built out um, our technology so that it will generalize to other languages. Um, so I think the, uh, so in the technological two to five years, we will be <clears throat> in uh, many of the major languages, um, helping people improve in different languages in which they're writing. Um, in the same way that Google Translate is able to go from, from language to language across many languages. Um, I think this is particularly important because it doesn't just say, well, artificial intelligence can help speakers of English or people that want to learn English, but actually it can help across, across languages. Um, 
We're also interested in taking speech to text. So when people are speaking and then that uh, being able to give them feedback on the quality of uh, some of their vocal characteristics, how confident do they sound, in addition to the way things are worded, give them feedback on the quality of their presentation. It's not that far of a, it's more of a market leap than it is a technological leap for us. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. Market-wise, we're right now in the college readiness space. So we're in junior year of high school through sophomore year of college. And we're looking to um, to expand out uh, to, more to writing in the disciplines. So people that are writing lab reports, people that are writing um, executive summaries, um, and beyond that into some of the corporate sector. So people that are having to write memos every day or blogs. We already have uh, bloggers using WriteLab um, organically, but we'd like to get out to content marketing teams. And um, for us, that kind of... Um, Growing by critical mass from sector to sector is, is, is what we hope to achieve. Well, we have a team of content creators here at HubSpot, and uh, uh, Jenny, our producer, says our team was, was drooling over Write Lab yesterday. So I think you have some, uh, some people here who would be very interested in, in taking on the use case of making you know, marketing content, content on the web and writing on the web better using Write Lab. So... Uh, delighted to hear it. Expe expect to hear more from us there. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, we are fortunate that we have a big team of great writers and that writing is very important here. And so it's something we always want to get better at. Transitioning a little bit away from WriteLab, no, I imagine you've learned a lot through this process. So what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs who want to solve a really big, crazy problem? I mean, you're trying to solve how the world writes. That's a big problem. What, what would you tell somebody else? Um, I would say, so most big audacious problems are going to have uh, many components to them. Um, and I think being clear with yourselves about not only what those components are, but which addressing which of these components, suppose you have six, which of these six, if I address it first, is going to enable me um, to address the other five. And I think what, what really got me thinking about this was... Um, the market reality, like what, what's, what's the value that we can give people, even if it's minimal, um, and we want to give them so much more. And writing is like this because people want, you know, they want you to deal with larger issues of organization and they want you to give feedback on the outlines and prompts and all sorts of stuff. It's really the, the kind of teacher features are, are limitless. And so I think with these, with these big problems, really disciplining yourself to say, okay, this is the thing that I need to address first, and it's going to enable me uh, over time to fulfill the rest of my roadmap, um, I think is a really important, and for us has been a crucial exercise. I think that's fantastic advice for anybody who's solving any kind of problem, let alone uh, starting a business. And it's something that we've heard time and time again here on the Grow Show podcast is that focus is paramount. When you spread yourself too thin or you get pulled into all the opportunities ahead of you, you just can't tackle them all well enough. And so it seems like you guys have been very focused on the core set of problems you think are going to make the biggest impact to your community, which is awesome. Uh, well, Matthew, I really appreciate you taking time out of what I know is a very crazy life in, in running and operating a company. So we're excited to be part of telling your story and we 
think that I think a lot of what you shared today will be helpful for all the folks that listen to the show on a on a weekly and monthly basis. So appreciate your time. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for having me, Sam. Pleasure to pleasure Thank, to talk with you. Thanks, Matthew. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear feedback from you on iTunes, or you could send us a note at growthshow at hubspot.com. We'll see you next week on The Growth Show.